0: Deep handoff. Nope. It's going to be Leonard on the keeper. This is what he does. Riley Leonard. So deceptive in the backfield, he's going to take it to the house. He fooled everybody. Leonard. Touchdown, Duke. 60 yards
1: for the quarterback.
0: Back inside the red zone, the Duke Blue Devils trying to get bowl eligible with a win tonight. Man open touchdown, Samir Higgins. It has come down to this one ball, one strike. $1 billion. The loser gets me. 38-31 the final. Duke goes to 6-3. Can
1: we get some music?
0: For the first time since 2018, the Duke Blue Devils are officially bowling. Hello and welcome to this episode of the Duke Football Talk Section 17 podcast. I'm your host, Brian Kennedy. Alongside Josh Cox, Scott Medlin, producer Justin Sykes, an absent Jamie Holt, and a very special guest. Who is that guest? Well, we'll find out here shortly. But as always, we have to get right into things. As Duke, with a huge victory, came back with a huge victory, I should say, this past Friday night. as They won their sixth game of the season, defeating the Boston College Eagles. 38-31, 38-31, to 31. and as always, we'd love to hear from Coach Elko, and here's his thoughts post-game after the big win.
1: Yeah, I mean, first off, hats off to Boston College. I, I thought, you know, those kids played with tremendous heart tonight. You know, we knew they would bounce back, and they certainly did, uh, and so hats off to them. You know, they gave us everything we could handle and more uh, up here on the road. You know, for us, uh, just a really monumental night for our program. You know, for us to come from where we were 10 months ago uh, to here, bowl eligible with three to go, uh, just a, a testament to everybody in our program and our university, you know, from the top down, from President Price to Nina, uh, to our chase, to, to our staff, to our support staff, to our strength staff and then to the players in our locker room. And and what they've done in the last 10 months to, to change the image of this program and change the direction of this program uh, cannot be understated. Um, they've bought into everything we've asked them to do uh, and they've played their hearts out, you know, and then on the game tonight, you know, obviously I thought our ability to run the football was critical. Uh, I thought the way we were able to establish the run game, uh, running for over 200 yards again, uh, dominating the run game stats. uh, That was a critical piece of this thing. Uh, I thought offensively we did a great job all game of of answering drives and kept the momentum on our side. Uh, Every time they tried to get back into it, I thought our offense responded and answered. Uh, And then I thought our offense really struggled down the stretch to close the game out. And then finally, I thought our defense stepped up. I thought finally in the fourth quarter, uh, we were able to step up and and make some stops in the two-minute situations uh, to give us a chance to get off the field and and win the football game. And so, uh, obviously, a lot to fix, a lot to improve on, Um, but tonight's going to be about us winning six and and getting ourselves to a bowl and and trying to finish this thing the right way down the stretch. And
0: And again, that was Coach Mike Elko giving his thoughts right after Duke's 38-31 win over Boston College in Chestnut Hill, the first time the Devils have won up there since 2011, and time to bring the guys in. As I stated, Jamie Holt, shocker guys, if you can believe it, is on vacation, and another shocker He's at the beach, but he's at the big beach down in Tampa. So, Jamie's moving places. He's going somewhere. So, Jamie, we miss you, but we hope you have a good time. But we had to find another replacement. You know, Dwayne Carter replaced me, fellas, in the episode.
2: So, we
3: had to find someone. Jordan Jordan Mann replaced me.
2: Yeah, there we go. So, I'm not missing an episode, just in case anybody's wondering. (laughs) Scott Scott is
3: the consistent one.
2: Yeah,
0: exactly. Scott, Scott's our uh, our Cal Ripken.
3: Basically, well, we, Scott never goes on vacation. Let's just be honest. There you go. There you, <laughs> go. True. There this
0: you is very go. True. But with that being said, we we had to reach deep into our our friend list and and find a suitable replacement for Jamie. So without further ado, let's bring back one of our best friends of the pod. One, Mister Cade Parmelee. Cade, it's been a while, bud. <laughs> how first? How have you been? And then give us your thoughts on Duke's big win against Boston College.
4: Man, man, it is good to be back. Um, my favorite podcast, might I add. Um, I have been good. I, you know, I'm always honored to uh, to be, you know, be back, and was even, you know, honored when when Josh you reached out and, and asked me to come on. But I have been good, been living in Texas, working, and um, you know, enjoying the. The post-football retirement, my my body feels a little better, but then you know, seven, eight, nine years of football and college football catches back up to you. And now I'm going on surgery number two. So um, you know, I, I've I've been good, but big fan of uh, Duke football, man. We're 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 doing really good. Uh, I've been, I've been a proud alumni. I'll say that.
0: And and just for you that are listening. Kate is rocking the Steve Spurrier 1987 Duke football hat, which is pretty epic. Don't know where, where did you find the hat? You know,
4: I like to keep, keep it as, as a secret. Uh, I may, or may not have a, you know, Duke football gear plug. No, I'm just kidding. I got it off like, uh, like Poshmark or something. something okay. kind of. I, I just looked up vintage Duke, Duke hat online and it's what pops up. So.
0: Well, that is pretty epic. So, did were you able to watch the Duke Boston College game this past Friday night? And if you did, what were your initial thoughts?
4: I did. Yeah, I was. Uh, I did get to watch it. My initial thoughts, man, and this as an entire year has gone by, is holy crap that o line. They uh, yeah. they look pretty dang good. I mean, everybody looks good, but you know it's it's always exciting to to watch the o line, the big uglies uh, play. You know, being that my my former position, but man, I just a, it's been cool watching some some good O line play, especially in a you know an era right now when we're kind of getting a little soft in the O and D line in in, in some some places, but not not in uh, not in Durham, North Carolina, guys.
3: <laughs> and just so if you're a new Duke fan or. Maybe you tuned Duke out last year. Look, we're not mad at you if you did that. Um, but Cade was a tra- uh, uh, Cade is mad at you. Yeah, uh, Cade was a grad transfer from Abilene Christian down in Texas, came to Duke for his grad transfer a year. And uh, and we saw the reason we connected with him uh, so quickly was we saw his photo with some massive dreads going on. <laughs> we're like, man, we gotta, we gotta talk to this guy. We had him on the podcast before the season even started, no one knew really who he was around at Duke. And then and now, here's what we're mad about, Cade. Before we get talking, before we get talking, BC. I was talking to some of the digital team, Zach Smith, and a couple of guys. Yeah. And I was like, I, I mentioned that we were going to have you on the pod, and I was like, "Bro, imagine if if Cade was on this year's team with all the freedom <laughs> that the the digital media team and social media team have been given." I'm like, "Man, you would be like, uh, you would definitely, yeah, your name would definitely be out there a little bit more." probably if you if you happen to come to Duke this season rather than last season
4: yeah no I mean it, it is cool watching them kind of you know make 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 it about the player I mean it's always been about the players but it no you know no hard feelings on, on this side but but yeah it, it would have been it would have been cool to to be on this uh, this year's team
3: especially like the jersey reveals this year have gotten a little more creative and You Know the Boston, the boss. I thought the Boston jersey reveal was good. I got to give it to them after a couple of weeks of maybe some subpar jersey reveals. Uh, they came back and hit it good with the BC with the Boston,
4: yeah, yeah. It makes you uh, makes you wonder what they're uh, what they got up their sleeves the next few weeks. I mean, dude, we're freaking ball eligible, so I know they got to come up with something cool,
3: yeah, absolutely, man. Absolutely. So, Brian, let's talk a little bit more. BC, man. So, Brian and I were actually able to take it in. Uh, and one Scott, to all three of us. Sorry, I forgot about that. Uh, we were all my bad, Scott. Nope, we were no all three of us at it to back at Timaca Roadhouse. Uh, uh, there in downtown Durham and hang out. Um, Scott, man, what were your thoughts? Uh, you know, good, bad, and ugly. Let's be honest. I mean, the game wasn't pretty. Um, so what? What were your thoughts?
2: Well, just so everybody understands, we're recording tonight live during the election. So, breaking news out of Durham, North Carolina: Duke is bowl eligible. Everyone, Duke is bowl eligible. <laughs> So everyone, please be ready for the holiday bowl season to be able to get your tickets and go watch the Blue Devils play wherever they may go. Thank you very much. Uh, but yeah, the great we played great. I mean, I was for the most part. We we had our moments of lulls. I think the turf monster, man. I'll be negative real fast and I'll go back up to the to the high horse. Man, the turf monsters killed Duke the three times we've played on the turf this season. Uh, Riley had a couple open opportunities there where I think we could have brought, blown it open and the receiver slipped during the run. There was one time he had Jalen coming across the middle and it's like Jalen's foot came out from under him. If he hits him, he may be gone. So, you know, that it's kind of frustrating, but you got to live with what you got to live with, uh, to me.
3: And Scott, to your point, Jacob Muck also hurt himself. Well, we were told us early in the game. And I don't know if it had anything to do with the turf. He played through it, not thinking it was serious, until after the game found out, you know, it was a knee or something.
2: And, you know, so mentioning anyway. that, too, a lot of the guys, Jordan Waters had some tough trouble getting up off that field during yep. the game. So, you know, I mean, it is what it is. You can't blame that for everything. But the team got up early. We went to watch that beautiful giraffe run down the sideline, to open the scoring for us, watching Riley Leonard run. And, man, we fed off of it. The defense played well. And then at money time, when we got into the fourth quarter, the defense stepped up. We blitzed. Darius Jorner had that great sack Mm -hmm. on the fourth down. Shaka Hayward had a big sack. And, you know, that's part of the reason to me, and I'll say it because I'm the one that picked it, that's part of the reason why I had Darius as my helmet sticker this week. He played great. He was all over the place. But he made two of the huge plays where he made that play. And then on the onside kick, man, he used his basketball skills. He got down there. He hovered the ball. He got defensive position, came right to him and jumped on it. And yeah, it was he great. Yeah, could teach
3: some of those bigs over in basketball about boxing out like old school. You know? I'd like
2: to take him over and teach some of the kids that um, I know that need to learn how this stuff. But anyway, it, 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 we're bowl eligible again. and We've been waiting for this. Um, one thing, though, and I, I was going to say, uh, say this a minute ago, I do think that Coach Elko would have loved to have had Cade Parmalee as one of his O linemen.
3: Oh, no question.
2: Just for the entertainment purposes, no maybe questions. than anything, but he would have loved it because you know, I'm not doing this because Cade's on here. But Cade's heart, man, he played played as tough as he could, did everything he could while he was out there, and that's one of the many reasons why Duke fans enjoyed watching him play while he was here last year.
3: Well, let's be honest too. We started the year Cade. Uh, Coach Elker said they were comfortable with eight offensive linemen, the top eight. Well, Jalat, Monk, and McIntyre are are now you know out done for the year. So here we sit with five, and I'm dead sure you would have loved to be on this offensive line and, and been in that rotation, right?
4: Yeah, man. I, I mean, I'm flattered. I, I really am. I with the talent that they that they pulled this year, I I don't know if Cade uh, Parmley's number would have been uh, getting a call or. A scholarship, but um, yeah, man. I mean, I appreciate it. I, it would have, it would have been a lot of fun to, you know, even just playing with them last year and, um, you know, those guys and getting to know them as as friends and teammates do. But but yeah, it would have, uh, I it would have been a lot of fun.
3: Brian, your thoughts, man.
0: I mean, like Scott said, I'm I'm just excited that it's it's been four long years, but we're finally bowling. I know this is something we've been wanting to talk about since we started the podcast back in April of 2020. Now we get to, yeah. and even better, we we like to speculate what bowl could yeah. we possibly go to? <laughs> could we go to Tampa? Could we go up north to
2: Boston? What about New York City, like Josh wants to go to? Yeah. And for the record, we spent five minutes before we got on talking about that. arguing. oh, yes, oh yeah, who we thought was going where and where we were going to play. So, hey, so
3: don't don't uh, don't get San Diego out of the picture, guys. Yeah, That's San Diego, El Paso probably. too out in the middle of nowhere
0: yeah that that that's an El Paso
3: how how far is El Paso from where you're at El
4: Paso is like eight hours seven hours
2: something like that yeah so he's on Texas it's a three-day journey
4: (laughs) I (laughs) would say that's actually a long trip but like three four hours to us is like
0: nothing yeah Yeah. right
4: yeah
0: but but again it, it was a great game we got out strong that stupid turf monster luckily we don't have to see it again for the rest of the year, because we play two more home games at home. And then I believe Pitt is, is all grass. All
2: all natural. All
0: natural. So, so that's one thing we don't have to worry about. But as I always do in my off time, I I found some interesting stats for you guys. And we talked about this off camera and Kate, I don't think you came on yet, but I've got some for you, Duke fans. This is the first time since 2014 Duke has won back-to-back ACC road games. So it's, it's been a while, eight years since we've accomplished that. As I stated earlier, first win in Chestnut Hill in 11 years. This is the most ACC w- wins that we've had nine games into a season since 2018. And we still have three more ACC games to go. So that'd be great. Last time Duke won four ACC games in a season was 2015. So yeah, seven years. it's It's taken us to get back to that. And here's one for you, Duke fans, if you've been a part of the program for a while. Mike Elko is only the second Duke football coach in program history to go to a bowl game in his first season as Duke football head coach. The other I'm, one? I'm going to see if the fans know.
3: Okay, we'll leave it. Yeah, we'll We'll, we'll, we'll it. leave
0: it. We'll leave it. And all I will say is.
3: Just, no, no you're good. Don't, no, they're good. That's all I'll say. Yeah. But okay.
0: um, I got to give a shout out really quick. I know I, I gave a shout out to Jekwes Moore, not Waters, Josh. Me his, uh, yeah, Roger, <laughs> Sorry, I was half asleep when I wrote my helmet sticker article. But um, how about Topolino? Second straight game, guys. Yeah, man. Made man. every every extra point. He only had one field goal attempt, but he made it.
3: Thirty nine yarder. So he's got to hit a forty yarder before he gets into my yeah. my my man crush club. So.
0: so I I gotta say this. So he scored eight total points in the game. How many points did Duke win by? Seven. Yeah,
3: seven. Yeah, there you go. So hey, okay, can you speak to that man? So Topolino is an eight year eighteen year old true freshman who came in this year obviously thinking I'm I'm behind Charlie Ham, you know what I mean? Like it just is what it is. He finds out on a Friday night before a game on Saturday that he's the guy. Like can you from an athlete's perspective, man, what does that feel like? I I can
4: speak to that cuz I've been in that situation um I first off I can't imagine as, you know, like a kicker <laughs> because the, it's already a mind game to some guys and so you know if if you don't have that experience already going in that is just I mean it's just different Um, you know so from an athletic you know athlete perspective like that is that is a um, a bender mind bender you know and when you're like kind of going in because I remember my freshman year you know there were lots of games guys where I was my feet were up I was you know I was eating ice cream Friday night and team meal I was feeling good you know not expected to go in. And then, you know, you're told on a Friday night or Saturday morning, Hey, by the way, Parm, uh, you're the guy and you look across from you and the guy that you're playing, you know, projected to uh, get drafted third round and you go, Hey, are you sure, you know, is there a different Parm on this team? So yeah, man, hats off to him and and for just coming in clutch, dude. And um, that, especially as a kicker, you know, I mean, you guys understand that that is that's a different ball game and, and so for him to kind of, you know, smash some of those kicks early on, dude, that's that's cool.
3: Yeah, it's really yeah. good. Also from that from that BC game, um just a couple of thoughts I had. Number one, I felt like we really did a good job of controlling the the um uh uh field position battle. We we literally felt like we were always getting the ball around midfield. I thought we did a really good job of that, especially early on uh into the and then into the early part of the second half. And then at the running back position, I mean, we're missing once again, Jalen Coleman, who, you know, four games ago was our number one running back. And now he's not, we haven't seen him for, at least, I think it's been four weeks, maybe more uh, missing him. And so, you know, once again, we're relying on Jordan Waters, who got banged up a little bit, as we mentioned earlier. And then Jaquez Moore, who rushed for two. And um, and then I know we we feel very comfortable with, with, with Terry Moore as well. In fact, there was one time in the game, where uh, it looked like they were all banged up, and we saw even, like, Eric Weatherly throw his helmet on. Uh, he didn't get in the game, but the the way it panned over, he had his helmet on, like, ready to roll. And so I think Duke was prepared for that, but that's the depth of the running back room. And that was a little bit something unique last year. You know, uh, Cade, it was, it was Mateo, obviously, but it was almost like Mateo or bust. And yep. in that room last year, you know, obviously Jordan Waters was the clear number two and got some of those carries. But there was also... Jalen Coleman in that room, who this year has really proven himself. Uh, and once he, when he's not, when he's not hurt, has proven himself to really be uh, a solid running back. So it's a little different this year, definitely running back by committee. A lot of the stats are very even across the board. So that's a lot different than last year.
4: Yeah. Yeah. It's been cool. To watch, you know, watch J Cole kind of step in because he was, you know, even last year, like you said, you know, he, he didn't really got much of the, much of the touches, but um, yeah, I think personally, I, I'm kind of watching this year this team these guys like for me like the biggest standout that I kind of you know raise your eyebrows is definitely was Jay Cole running the ball man running the rock and and running it really well running it hard you know making being gritty making those extra extra yards I mean that stuff is as a O lineman especially watching that uh, watching the guy you know bust himself to get those extra couple of yards I mean that goes that definitely does not go unnoticed uh mm-hmm. to the big guys up front but you know, especially like you know if you're a connoisseur of football i mean it's fun to watch uh, i know i know it's it's exciting so um yeah i hope he can you know get back in the um, get back in the in the lineup soon
3: yeah for sure cuz i mean when we have that i feel like when we are healthy in the running back room like it is literally fresh legs 100% of the time like there is yeah. no we, there were times last year and we would talk to mateo a little bit this was before we had our media credentials, so everything was like we were trying to figure out ways to communicate without getting in trouble, uh, but it felt like my man was like running on like a leg and a half sometimes, or like over like, man, his shoulder, like we would look at little things like when he was down, he would only lift up his left arm for people to help him up, so like, man, what's up with that right shoulder? Like, we're, you know, we were trying to see those different things, um, and, and you know, obviously, he had a heck of a season, uh, you know, broke a record, a Duke record, you know, last year for yardage, but it is so much better, you know, uh, for the team, in my opinion. You look back at those 2013 teams where we were re- really successful, and it was another running back by committee. Um, and so I, I I, really love that. And I also like this. There were times in this BC game, and this has been this, this way throughout the season. Uh, last year, the O-line, Cade, you guys rotated pretty good. Like there would be a, a one-two deep rotation back and forth throughout the game. Well, we're doing that this year at wide receiver. Uh, there was a a big uh drive in the fourth quarter where I think it was Malik Bowen Sims Shontavis Robertson and I forget who the who the third guy was um and I love the fact that Kevin johns and and Elko have the faith in that second unit and the wide receivers to put them out there in a in a, a very you know like an important drive and so that's really it's really cool to see the two deep kind of come together like that
2: Say one more stat that I think we brought up last week, but uh, it got mentioned today on national radio again. That Riley Leonard is the number four in the country at yardage rushed from that position nationally. That says a whole lot. I mean, I, I know that he's get he's able to break off these sixty and seventy yard runs, and that's helping that average. But it's nice to be able to have the quarterback in the backfield that can do that. Because we really haven't had that since Daniel Jones was able to do it that day against Carolina, where he ran yeah. and got the number six pick in the draft.
3: Yeah, that's where he's that was his uh, his audition for sure. Well, uh, I, I don't know. Am I allowed to
4: add one more stat? I don't know if I've talked about this yet. It, it was three days ago that I saw it. and I just pulled it up. So,
3: man, Brian, Brian's to... loving this. Okay, go yes, ahead. You, he's a stat. You may need he's to
4: fact-check me. So, Please, if this is go right on ahead. <laughs> if this is uh, not correct, I apologize to all the fans out there. But the fantasy football, Riley Leonard, did y'all see that? He's oh, averaging he's... twenty-four point seven points per game in like the standard fantasy football formats. Yep. yep, and so that would make him the second, you know, best QB in the NFL right now. Like,
3: come on, yeah, come on, that is that is pretty crazy. And, and you know what else is what else is nuts? Uh, we just tweeted this from the account earlier today. Is preseason heading into the year? They had It showed the QB rankings, and it had the two funniest. It has Riley at 14th, you know, coming, bringing up the rear, and then it had Drake May at 10th, and it's like, you know, that, that was just absolutely insane, and now you look at it. By the way, uh, uh, Riley Leonard is fourth in the ACC and QBR in quarterback rating. He is about to catch Sam Hartman, which would be pretty incredible, and I believe the only two ahead of them, uh, obviously, is Drake May, Number one, I believe, is Jordan Travis from Florida State, um, is ahead. But I mean, all these guys that we heard about, Slovis and Van Dyke, and all these guys we were hearing about, going Malik Cunningham, even he's ahead of him. All those type of guys. It's just been really cool, man. And like, and and, and to bring this all together, we're about to move into the uh, into the mailbag and, and whatnot. But like to bring this all together, this is all culminated in a bowl berth. And guys, this is not a bowl berth in the last week of the season, this is a bull berth and week in the ninth game of the season. And like now the talk with Duke fans is okay. If we win one more game, where does that put us? And by the way, that's a mailbag question we're going to get to. But if we win one more game, where does that possibly put us? If we win two more games, where does that possibly put us? If we happen to win out, where could that possibly put us? And so like, we're trying to be logical here. We know that winning out would be like, a really incredible feat with the three teams that we have left, obviously, especially the last two being Pitt and wake forest. But if we were to do that, so all to say all that to say, like how incredible is it? Elko's first year, a year when Nina King even told us before the season started on this podcast said, you guys got to be patient. Don't put too much on this team. Uh, Give them some time. And she even said, Word for word, we're not expecting to win the ACC championship in year one, and dag on it, we're about two penalty flags away from uh from being in that conversation. So, anyway, that was my thing. And by the way, thank y'all for sharing our ridiculous bowling Mike Elko video. It's up to like right around seven thousand views right now, and so.
0: And thank you for people stealing it. Yeah, a Big Twelve school decided to take the idea the very next day, but we won't go down that road.
3: Kansas stole it, but that's all right.
0: Hey. Brian Haney, love you, buddy, but you got to yep. talk to your media department.
3: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yep. All right.
0: Well, with Be that being for- said, again, we, we could devote a whole episode talking about Duke winning and going to a bowl game, which we're kind of going to do that a little bit more with the mailbag. Uh, Jamie usually asks these questions. Again, we're, we're now 0 for 2 in these last two weeks, guys. I, I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's because the schools aren't doing as well as they would hope, but we couldn't get the VT play-by-play guy. We tried, couldn't do it. But you know what? We're going to continue with these last three or two games coming up against Pitt and wait to get uh you know, their play-by-play guys on. So with that being said, we're just going to go a little freestyle like, like we did last right. week and head right into the the questions.
4: They're scared, Brian. They they don't want, they don't want
3: that smoke.
0: That's no, right. I, I, yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, it, it's kind of hard to talk good things when your team's, uh, what, two and seven heading so, into a Saturday game? Yeah.
3: So, yeah, let me say this. So, at the Carolina game, Brian got so pissed because Duke came out to uh, Phil Collins in the air in tonight. The air. And that's that's Carolina does that. So, at the Carolina game, we came out to – the uh, dude, if we come out Saturday to enter Sandman – like that oh. would be like the incredible oh. like i'm
2: I'm taking the yeah, voice ultimate. ultimate troll, no, the that would be the troll. ultimate
3: troll probably. that'd be the best dude. if we ran if we came out to freaking oh. Inner man, dude like who I'll knows? jump
2: for three minutes straight for that. That'll be my cardio <laughs> for the month, but I'll do it.
0: I I won't be with you guys for the first half. I, oh, I'll see you right. on the second right. half. So, but oh, all I'm right. supposed let's, to be
3: media. My bad. My, my, oh
0: yeah, let's, let's get let's dive deep right. into the mailbag. This is gonna be a two-hour episode. <laughs> uh,
3: what's the depth uh, looking like on the O line with this? Is oh, I'm sorry from Stephen Dillard S Dillard 35 on Twitter. What's the depth looking like on the O line with Munt going down? Uh, do you think it could impact the way we've been successful running the ball um, up to this point? I mean, yeah, go ahead. Anybody?
0: No, you, you were at the presser. I was Please. at the presser. I, was, I don't yeah, want to take all of these,
3: but uh, I was at the presser. Um, Justin Pickett's going to move into that spot, uh, according to Elko. He's been taking some reps anyway there, so he's going to move into that spot. And so, you know, basically from the left side to the right, daggone it, i put myself on the spot here. Here we go. Uh, it's going to be Graham Barton. It's going to be Chance Lytle. It'll Dang. be Jack Burns. It'll be Justin Pickett, and then it'll be Dre Harris. That's gonna be. Nee, nee,
2: nee, 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 nee. I
3: got it. All right, I did it. So that's gonna be that starting five, and then uh, he mentioned Addison Penn, Caleb Perez, and one Brian more Foley. Brian, Brian Foley. Foley. That's right, Mick, son of Mick Foley, uh, yes. Brian Foley, <laughs> um, as the as the guys providing depth, and so that's what we're gonna look like. And then that follow up that he said, is it gonna have an impact on the on our success running the ball? Well, listen, Jacob Monk is an I believe all ACC offensive lineman. Um, he's a he's a team captain he played both center and right guard Cade you can speak to that even a little bit of like his importance and so like what do you in your opinion Cade I guess on that how will that affect the run game because man we've been I mean we're rushing the ball if we're not first in the conference we're top two in the conference in yards per game
4: yeah I mean they I, I think that they'll be okay <laughs> I'll say that I think that they will definitely be okay I mean you got pick it back there I, I'm I'm excited, you know. I think that they they may even try to bring Brian Foley in there and get him a lot more reps. You know, I know they've been rocking him at uh, number four, the kind of the the, the power power tight or power fullback, whatever you want to call him, man. But um, you know, I speaking on Jacob, I, I you know he's kind of that heart and soul of that old line, and you know especially to the offense, um, they kind of live and, and breathe by him. And uh, I know we did last year; we he was a, a huge impact to you know team the chemistry and um, just hit him as a leader and kind of watching how he's developed into that this year. Um, it, it's going to, it's going to hurt, but I don't think it's going to, you know, really be that big of a, of an effect. Um, now obviously you want him in there, um, but, but I, I, I think with Pickett and, and Foley and, you know, Addison and, and Caleb as well um, you know, I, I wouldn't be surprised if they if they brought Brian back in there and in, in, in the rotation. But yeah, I, I think that the the run game will still be strong with, you know, you, you got four other guys, that are stars in that whole line that still have seen plenty of snaps. Um, and, and even with Pickett and, and Foley back there. So I, I think, I think we'll be all right.
2: All right. So Duke is second in the ACC at 208 per game, three yards behind Florida state at 211.
3: Okay. So we're right there at it, <clears throat> right there at it. Um, there's a couple of these uh, Jalen Coleman questions. So let's go ahead and get that one out of the way. Do we think we'll see Jalen Coleman anymore this season?
0: Yes, and, and I say that because he was – I would say he was our, our RB1 for the most mm-hmm. of the season. I This is just me speculating. I, I think it was a high ankle sprain. Based off the video that we saw of him limping off the field, as we've seen in the NFL, high ankle sprains can take, what, four to six weeks to heal? Yep. Yes. And especially the fact that we have such a, a deep running back room, I'm sure the staff is like, take your time. You're, you've you got your spot. When you're ready, come back.
3: Because... Uh, and I will say unofficially, Brian, mm-hmm. unofficially, I may or may not have gotten to the media availability last Tuesday a little bit early, mm-hmm. and I may or may not have noticed that he was not in a red jersey, which he had been in a red jersey the previous three weeks. So a little podcast exclusive. Um, he was not – that was last week. So he was getting hit in practice. So well, that's
2: I'm, I was going to – Brian, Were you through? Okay. I was just going to follow up, and this this is going to sound crazy, so forgive me for saying it. We haven't seen Duke live in person in three weeks.
3: Full strength. Oh, Full
2: strength. us. When, yeah, and, yeah, and yeah. We haven't seen him with yeah, our, that's our right. eyes. That's right. With our eight eyes or ten or whatever, how many we have. <laughs> Counting my glasses and my contacts and everything. Easy now, easy. <laughs> But just to say that though, we've not been able to see them in warmups and things like that because there's been a couple of games where they, I believe we heard that Coleman was warming up initially yep. and then put went to streets. Yep. So Saturday will be the first time we'll get an opportunity to see maybe what he's going through or how far he goes. You know, it just so I would say we'd see him again because obviously he's getting if he's at practice he's eventually going to be out there playing. That's my thought process.
3: That was, by the way, from at bleed blue, eleven twenty eight Carlton Glover. Um, that question. So a specific VT question here. Adam Roberts uh, at Reese Wagon. Um, is that is that anybody related to any of your people, Brian? No, nope. no. All right. Um, says I need a vibe check for Saturday. Do you think this will be the lowest percentage of Hokie fans to attend a game at Wallace Wade in recent memory? All
2: Scott. right. I, I'm I'm sorry. I'm the like the kid in the front row. Um, two weeks ago, I was over in Raleigh at the Thursday night game between Virginia Tech and State. Folks, they were they stink. They were bad. They were probably thirty five to forty percent Virginia Tech fans there in Carter Friendly. So, folks, I'm gonna go ahead and tell you right now. I was gonna do this later. I'm gonna go ahead and do it right now. If you don't have a ticket, you're in Durham. You need to get a ticket, get your backside wearing your your Duke Blue Saturday night, Saturday afternoon. I'm sorry, not night. Saturday afternoon at 12 o'clock at Wallace Wade because Virginia Tech will buy as many tickets as they can. They will show up. They will be there. They will be loud. It doesn't matter if they're 0-7, 2-7, or 7-2. and 2. Yep. So I really truly think, and they were loud. A couple of the guys behind us got kicked out of the game because they had a little too much uh, liquid. Adult beverages, yeah, a little adult beverages.
3: Yeah, grandpa's old cough medicine.
2: That's right. Yeah, these, these guys got to meet uh, some of Raleigh's finest. So. Yeah,
3: okay, I agree. Uh, I will say this to Duke fans: if you have a ticket that you can't use and you don't know how to get rid of it, uh, DM us on Twitter. Uh, let us know on Facebook, whatever. We'll help you get rid of it. We'll tr- we'll we'll uh, help you post um, and try to find a Duke fan uh, to get your ticket from you. So we want as many butts in the seats. In fact, I believe we're gonna have two tickets ourselves to give away that we'll give away between now um, and Saturday. So and there
2: are plenty of seats available. Yeah, there are,
3: there are. So, so no, yeah, no talk of
2: sellout and two more reasons, military appreciation. That's a big deal. If you're an American, you better be there for that reason. Thanks Scott. I'm, I'm just, I'm very proud of my military you know? heritage buddy. And then if you're the an PD American,
3: a- you need to be at the Duke game. Saturday. Right. There you go.
2: There's 40,000 seats available. And then uh, they're also honoring the pediatric cancer, which Brian and his family will be there. Yep, for that reason. Shout out so. to Harrison. So that's another reason. They're By to far choose, the coolest
3: member the of the Kennedy family.
0: <laughs> I'll just let him uh, take my spot next week. He, that's he my has
3: the best did, hair. That would be epic, bro. Bring Harrison yeah. on this podcast. That would he be has be the epic. best hair of the group.
2: Oh yeah, he does.
3: All right, here, Kay. This is a good question for you, man. Um, Drew Cheshire, friend of the pod. Uh, It's not uncommon for a college football team to get a quote-unquote first-year bump from a new, or we've even seen it with interim coaches, you know, Georgia Tech had a blip a couple weeks. Uh, Are there signs or habits that perhaps make uh, this Duke team seem like more than that, right? So basically the question is, you know, is is this Elko era sustainable? Like, what is pointed to that as opposed to like, oh, it's his first year, everybody's bought in temporarily?
4: Yeah, the reason I would say it's not just kind of the, you know, the the ladder of like, oh, it's just your first year, you know, this is an anomaly. I, I would say it's not that case because you look at the amount of young guys on this on this team right now and the amount of transfers that came in this year. So, you know, to me, the sign of that would be like you have, you know, 30 guys that got you know, just transferred in and, and they're really good because it's all their last year. But I mean, you look at the number of freshmen and sophomores. I mean, you look at Riley, um, obviously balling out at at QB. Man, like I I think that that Jomo, yeah. I mean, all those, all those, all those dudes, BJ. um, So, so that would be my first thing to say that you know this is definitely sustainable. But also just looking at just kind of the team and from social media and you know I still know a bunch of the guys. I mean, they like, you know, they believe, um, they really do. And I think it was kind of it took. Elko and, and this new staff and, and you know, the, um, you know, the strength staff to kind of come in and be like, dude, y'all, y- y'all can be special, you just gotta believe it and you gotta, you gotta love each other enough to have those hard conversations, but also to like, you know, step up and, and, and you know, so, so between the amount of young guys that are playing the guys that did come in you know on our, our grad transfers that are kind of leading this year um and, and just like the the passion that you can see between all these guys and, and you know they've this is year one <laughs> you know yeah. we're we're looking at six wins right now three more on the come up and, and you know with Nina saying I you know we're not expecting a, a conference championship this year I don't know I mean <laughs> we gotta we gotta Two to three more years of these same guys on this roster that are that are going to come and you know prove prove some people wrong. I think so. So those are that's my
3: thoughts. Yeah, and and not and adding to that, twenty seven recruits coming in twenty twenty three, um, and so I mean, you know that to me that's a big deal because you uh, well, not only was he able to keep nearly every recruit from the previous uh coaching staff. Um they they I don't think what did we miss guys two? two. Did two drop? Mm-hmm. I think two of them dropped. Um we kept all those and then obviously to sign 27 and to sign them early that 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 summer uh period, you know, like it was it was a really big deal. And so like I, I agree. Um I, and I think too the fact that we we went out and got guys like Lyle Hemphill was a defensive coordinator in the ACC last year and we hired him as a safeties coach like rob smith has got nfl tenure you know what i mean i think those types of things if nina once again and she has proven to be uh keeping her word if if the money is there to try to keep these assistants i don't see how this isn't sustainable so
4: and what was the the stat after the miami game they, they had like you know, 20-some-odd, four-and-five stars. We had, like, one yeah. four-star and, like, <laughs> 33 stars. And, you know, you see how that went. So, yeah. you know, once you even start getting more recruits, like you said, I, I think it's, yeah, yeah, to the moon is, is what I say.
3: All right. Um, I do want to give a shout-out to Brian Porus at b Porus one Asked about Jalen Coleman, too, uh, and we already answered that. And then also Big Papa RV, long-time uh, listener. Asked about the O-line stuff, so wanted to shout-out those guys. Um, Moving over to kind of the bowl picture. Uh, so Sam, LA Dodgers all day, our weekly question from Sam. Uh, but his question this week, I'm not one who likes to look ahead, but on the topic of bowl eligibility and getting to a better bowl game, uh, what is the biggest thing that Duke needs to do uh, to do better across the remaining three games to go 3-0? and all, all games now look winnable. So, stick. Brian, I'll throw it at you, man. What, what's stick something the, you
0: see? Stick to the playbook. We did that against Boston College, and you saw what happened. We did that against Miami, and you saw what happened. I, I don't – how do I put it? If we just keep playing the way that we've been playing this, this whole season, we can contest these last three games. Yeah, now,
3: we'll be in all three of them, no question.
0: Right. We should, should being the word, Beat this Virginia Tech team. We could beat Pitt and Wake. Had we said, had we had this conversation at the beginning of the year, it would have been like, we don't have a shot against Virginia Tech, Pitt, and Wake. I mean, I think we even talked about it that the last quarter of the season was going to be tough.
3: Oh, we, we mentioned this last stretch was going to be absolutely brutal because, look, BC. At the beginning of the season, man, they were talking, like, big time for them, man. Like, this was going to be the yeah. year for, like, for Flowers and Yorkovic and those guys. They were going to, like, take over. And, like, we looked at these last four games going, like, oh, crap. Because I remember, Brian, you were even, like, we may even have a shot against Wake Forest. And we were, like, dude, you are smoking something. There's no way we're beating yeah. Wake Forest.
0: I, hey, hop on that train now, huh? <laughs> 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 but but yep. seriously, it, it, it's just – I said it last week. Keep it simple, stupid. The KISS method. We, I mean, Coach John. Run the freaking
3: football, right? Yeah, Coach Johns has
0: done a phenomenal job so far this year. And the fact of we we stick to the script the first fifteen plays every team does that, but then we adjust, and that's the that's one of the things we haven't seen in a while. Adjusting, not trying to run the same plays. Not oh well, it didn't work this time. Let's try it again and again and again and again, and then we're down twenty one points. And next thing you know, up game over. We're not going to be able to contest in this game. So if the defense keeps doing what they're doing, and, the, and I know this is a very generic coach answer, but, it, I mean, it's 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 that simple. Play the offense we know how to play. Play the defense we know how to play. We'll continue to contest in these games, and we could go
2: 3-0 these last three games.
3: And keep holding on to the football. We, st- we still don't turn that ball yes.
2: over. Yes, amen, amen. I, I would say this. Um, ball, we were kind of having this conversation a few minutes before we got on. Um, you know, they they had just released the college football playoff numbers and winning is the simplest answer because you want to win to get the better ball. But right now there are five teams that are in front of Duke right now. So we need some luck and it does help that two of the team, three of the teams play each other. Yep. Wake and State both play Carolina two out of the last three weeks, and all three of those teams are in front of us. And then so, we have Wake. Yes. And we have Wake. So we have a chance for our own destiny, too. So we could win it. If we win Wake, then we get tiebreaker if we have the same record. So we also need some things to go our way just a little bit, but one game at a time, play the game, win the game, on to the next week.
3: Yep. I agree. I agree. Um, Cade, I have a question for you speaking to what Brian said and okay, uh, we we've it's kind of common knowledge and I don't know how how true it is, so I'm asking. The whole like beginning of the game, offensive coordinator the first part of the game like it kind of knows what he wants to run ideally. When is that typically about 15 plays and then how big of a difference is it once you kind of know you're now off script a little bit? Is that a completely different feel? Uh, when you're in the game as an O lineman or as a member of the offense?
4: Yeah. So, I mean, I think generally most offensive coordinators kind of have the first 15 to 25 plays scripted, you know, obviously with a little variance and like, hey, yeah,
3: your third, like, third and long compared to third and But
4: yeah, you know, as, as, as you make a big play, it's like, hey, speedball, whatever. I, I may be a little different from most people um, because I actually wasn't a huge fan of the scripted plays you know I mean I didn't like we did a lot of this at, at Abilene Christian where like the first 30 plays were scripted like and you didn't go off very, I mean it didn't matter if you made a 50 you know 50 yard big play it was like we're running play number four if it's play number four <laughs> I, I, I just thought that took the playmakers out of the game you know and so I think that's a sign of a good OC and a good head coach is when you can yeah you like to have a you know generally a good idea of what you want to run but man you know if it's working go with it but if it's not like you know change it up get the ball to the playmakers get it to the ones who are gonna you know when they touch the ball magic happens and I think that's the biggest thing I've seen with this Duke football team this year is like they recognize who the playmakers are and it's hey how can we get them the ball and if that you know, means we vary from not calling play number six after, you know, play number five, like, you know, let's do it. And so that's kind of what I've seen um, from my perspective.
3: That's good to know. It's just some perspective from a player because, like I said, we hear that stuff, but, you know, we've never really asked an actual person who's experienced that. So let's move over to Facebook. Uh, Both of these questions have uh, bowl implications. Friend of the pod, Levi Haynes, asked us, what teams would we like to possibly see going into a bowl game? He says Kansas. He would love to see a rematch between the two. So let's just narrow that question down. Uh, let's go ahead and just ask it that way. Would would we want? Would you personally want to see us play a rematch game, uh, specifically Kansas, in a bowl game? Go ahead, Scott.
2: Um, I would. I have two options. I like the Kansas idea just because I said like when we played them the first time, I would love to see this team again in a different situation. I would also in a similar uh type situation, I would love to play the Travis Kelsey Skyline Chili Bowl game again against Cincinnati. Yeah. I would love to get another shot with them because we should have beat them that night in Charlotte.
3: So the projection came out this today, right? Uh that had us at, at, at some bowl against Cincinnati. Yesterday, maybe, uh, it hit uh, somebody. It was yeah, one of the Brett, bowl projections on Twitter. Brett
0: McMurphy, yeah. I think it was uh, the military ball against Cincinnati. Yeah, it was, it was
2: somewhere on the East Coast. Yeah,
0: yeah. I, I'm going to say no. And, and the only reason why is there's so many potential opponents I would love for us to, to play against. I know that someone um, – I think they asked about ECU a few weeks ago. I'd love to see us yeah. play ECU this year. Oh, Both okay. programs are, are back. Another projection that someone put out there, just seeing as there's not as many qualifying ACC teams that are probably going to get a bowl game. What about App State?
2: That was the Gasparilla, or somebody. Yeah, that. Yeah.
0: yeah, the Gasparilla Bowl in Tech and Tampa, not Texas, Tampa. Yeah. That would be pretty interesting. Because we all know who the quarterback
2: is. Yeah. We I was just say,
4: yeah, I don't know anybody on App State that might uh, have connections to you.
2: <laughs> so,
3: well, so, we have made peace with Chase Bryce. So what you're saying is that has,
2: that would so. be the CBS Bowl.
3: Yeah, the, oh, <laughs> stop it, K. Don't know about that. Uh, the we'll hashtag CBS Bowl. We'll, we'll talk with him about
0: that off camera.
3: Uh, that would definitely be interesting, honestly. Because okay, this is not to go off on the Chase Bryce tangent. But I think now that we have seen Chase Bryce for two years in a different system and setting, we know that he's a talented quarterback and that he's legit. And so, like, everything Duke fans were feeling about him in the year he was here were not really justified feelings um, because he has gone and proven that he's legit. And so, like, we made our peace with him on Twitter. We were like, hey, man, like, you know, we're good. And he was he was great. But, uh, all look – y'all know some Duke fans were pulling for that guy earlier this year when they were 63 to 61 playing UNC or whatever, like, and they scored 40 points in the fourth quarter or whatever it was, something ridiculous. So that would be interesting for sure. Um, K, what are your thoughts on a rematch? I, I don't know if you've ever experienced that. What are your thoughts on playing a team a second time in the same season?
4: Yeah. I mean, I think I would probably have a very similar opinion to a lot of the guys that, you know, played that game. Like, I think that they would give anything to have that game again, and especially in a bowl. Um, you know, outside of that, yeah, uh, that would be a it would be an electric game, uh, you know, kind of two explosive offenses. Um, but, you know, I, I think the guys would, would really like for that to happen.
3: It'd be interesting, too, to see, like, because obviously the attrition of a season. We've lost some guys to injury. I haven't kept up with them crazy, but we know Jalen Daniels was hurt or has been hurt. Jason Bean was a quarterback last week. Uh, it would be interesting to see where those, what those teams look like, you know, two and a half, three months later, um, you know, as different guys are out and other guys, their depth has had to show up. And and, and so it would be interesting. I, I'd be down for it, um, but I wouldn't mind, you know, I, I'm listen, I'm a Duke football guy. I don't care who we play. I just want to go to a bowl game. That's it. Like, so I'm, I'm excited um, about yeah, so that. Right. Here, Josh is,
4: is uh, when, when we actually do have this, you know, bowl set, we're going to do this podcast again, but on site.
3: Uh, dude, we're there. We're yeah. there and you're, you're in no question. Right. No question. Uh, so that leads us perfect segue, bro. It's like, you knew Aaron Butner, friend of the pod, my fellow graduate uh, graduate high school with me uh, and our producer, Justin Sykes, actually uh, Aaron Butner asks, are we all committed to flying to wherever the bowl is? And uh, I will say that on this podcast, since especially since Jamie is not here right now, uh, we are we are a yes. And so uh, there there may be a couple of of scenarios where we couldn't get there, like some of the western one uh, possibly. But anything on this East Coast is a definite. no question. No question. Brian okay. Brian's uh, Brian tell us about your spreadsheet. <laughs>
0: yes yeah so uh saturday morning after we officially became bowl eligible i made a spreadsheet of all the bowl games on the east coast i put in drive times i put in flight prices i put in dates
3: did you do hotels
0: yes even hotels um (laughs) we're ready man we're ready i'm I'm that guy i'm sorry yeah my my genuine hope is is that we don't have to go to the spreadsheet that we can just hop in a car drive two and a half hours to charlotte and watch the game in bank of america stadium if we have to go to New York, Boston, Tampa, Orlando, Jacksonville, we're all for it. Now, how we get there depends on who you ask. Because to Josh's yes. point, Jamie, even if it's 15 hours away, Jamie's getting in a car. And he's Jamie's riding. a nervous he flyer. Doesn't, he, he doesn't care. We would have to drug Jamie. Me,
2: yes. We'd have to Mr. Team.
0: Yeah. I love to fly. I'd take the 45-minute flight to Charlotte.
3: <laughs> <laughs> No, I love it. Okay, so we got two – well, actually, just one more question, and then uh, uh, a guy kind of gave us a shout-out that I want to give. Here's a good question, actually, um, from um, – hang on, just scroll off of it. From Blade for Duke, at Blade for Duke, which of our players should be considered for an all-ACC recognition? So here's the deal. Let's let's qualify this. We We have already said on the quarterbacks, you have Riley – flirting with the number three qbr we but we've also talked about our running back by committee which doesn't help when you're looking at all acc stuff we've talked about you know what i mean we've talked about our wide receivers even and the fact that like these guys are spreading it out man like you got a guy like samir Haggins who has similar numbers to like you know what i mean to other guys so like uh yeah so thinking through that what what are we uh what are we th- i know kate wants to talk offensive line i mean you got do you have two on the offensive line is that I, what you think I, so I've got
4: three, okay. two for sure, a third that should definitely be in that contention. My, mine is Dwayne Carter, Grant Barton, and then yeah. Jacob Monk. I don't, I don't see how, yeah. how you can't have all three of those guys in there.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I'm, right. I'm
3: wondering, I'm wondering Darius Joyner, he's going to yep. lead the team in tackles, probably, my... unless Shaka just goes crazy the last three, three games. Uh, he's going to lead the team in tackles. Um, and then on the offensive side, I mean, I wonder if there's a little bit of stability mm-hmm. and senior respect for a guy like Jalen Calhoun, whose numbers are steady again this year. Uh, I don't know if he's got – I mean, there's a, there's some good wide receivers in the ACC, though, um, so that might be difficult. And once again, I don't know that the running backs, we split it up so much. I don't know what's going to happen there.
2: Uh, I, my personal opinion, um, I think Big Wayne, the campaign will definitely be yes. on all I see. He has to be. He must. If me, he's he's the, not. Yeah. He's yeah. the best defensive lineman. And I'm not saying it in my Duke class. Yeah. He's the best defensive interior lineman in the ACC. Yeah. He's a problem. Yeah. I think Shaka has a really good shot. And I think Darius, and it, to be honest with you, one of those two guys I think makes it the other one makes the second team. I think you flip flop corn there. I think Jacob Monk should get some looks. And Graham Barton has been getting a national. lot of attention in a national nationally. Champion. Yeah. So there's He's a like chance he may not make first team. or second. Yeah, team, yeah. His
4: advanced stat, his
3: advanced stats are ridiculous. Yeah. So I, I think that's good. And then the last one, this is just a statement from Jason Rogers, long time friend of the pod. I don't have a question. Just thank you to all four of you for your hard work. Well, maybe thank you to three of you and then to our local beach residents. So he gave a he gave a shout out to Jamie. (laughs) And and so anyway, we do appreciate, uh, we do appreciate that, man. So that's been really good. We talked a lot and took a lot of your questions tonight, obviously not having the play-by-play voice of the Hokies on with us this week. Uh, We were able to take some, uh, some different types of questions. And so that's been uh, really good, but it is now time. Uh, for the seg- the newest segment on our podcast this year, and it is what we kindly refer to as the not yet sponsored. This week in Duke football history, with Scott Medlin. Scott, take it away.
2: This week in Duke football history, I believe is when we. This is one where we were all have alive. Of course, one of us has not been alive that long. November the sixth, nineteen eighty-two. I'm out. I mean,
3: Kay was not alive. I wasn't either. Really? Yep.
2: Okay, whatever. I I
3: was born in 82, so I was a... What what was the date?
2: November 6th, so you were alive. Okay, I
3: was like months old, man.
2: Yeah, see, I knew you were alive. I didn't know Brian wasn't. Okay, so anyway. So junior wide receiver Chris Castor would set the Duke record for the most receiving yards in the game, playing against in-state foe Wake Forest. Castor would like the Demon Deacons up as he would have with 283 yards receiving on 11 receptions and three touchdowns with 28 yards per catch. Castor would go on to be named the ACC Player of the Year in 1982, and his record of most yards per reception in a Duke career 18.96 still stands to this day. Castor is also a part of the ACC Legends class of 2014, and Duke also won that game 46-26. So that's this week in Duke football history. Filthy. Dang,
3: Dang. We we need old Castor. We need another... Did he not have any offspring or anything to come? I know. From Duke? <laughs> I know. Where's the sec? Where's junior at? Or the third at this point. Third, my goodness. Yeah. yeah, man. Wow. 18 yards a catch for your career. That is, that is like
0: nasty, nasty. That's hall. Of, I mean, that's hall of fame worthy. I mean, obviously he was yeah. all ACC, but still, my goodness.
3: Yeah. That's pretty, that's pretty crazy. Pretty crazy. Well, uh, Scott, thank you for doing that. This week we didn't laugh at you, man. So great job getting through that. Shout out, Scott. But uh, now we move on to uh, the Tell the Tape, which is sponsored this year. And we're really grateful uh, for our sponsors, Comfort Mechanical Contractors. So before Brian brings us to Tell the Tape, a word from our sponsor.
0: Hey, guys, Brian here with the Section 17 podcast. Quick question for you. What do Duke, North Carolina Central, and the Durham Public School Systems have in common? Well, they all have their heating and air service work done by Comfort Mechanical Contractors. Comfort Mechanical Contractors offers full-service commercial HVAC organization, as well as install work for new construction and commercial renovation. With their full fleet of service vehicles at the ready, Comfort Mechanical Contractors is equipped to handle service calls as well as install building automation and control systems. For more information, give Comfort Mechanical Contractors a call at 919-383-2502. That number again, 919-383-2502. Comfort Mechanical Contractors, the premier commercial heating and air service contractor of the Triangle. And our continuous thanks to Comfort Mechanical Contractors, sponsors of the Tell of the Tape, and this week it is the Virginia Tech Hokies. Last year, Virginia Tech went 6-7 and and played Maryland in the pinstripe bowl. They were defeated by the Twerps 54-10, so not much of a showing there. Last week, Virginia Tech was defeated by Georgia Tech 28-27, and the Hokies are currently 2-7 on the season. And head coach Brent Pry is in his first season as Virginia Tech's head coach, and this is his first head coaching stint ever. And before coming to Virginia Tech, Pry had stops as an assistant coach with Penn State, Vanderbilt, Georgia Southern, and Memphis, and that's just to name a few. Now, overall, this is the 30th matchup all time between Duke and Virginia Tech, with Virginia Tech leading the series matchup against the Blue Devils 19 to 10. The first ever meeting between Duke and Virginia Tech took place at the World War Memorial Stadium in Greensboro on September 25, 1937, where Duke defeated Virginia Tech 25-0. Duke won the first six matchups of the series against Virginia Tech, but since 1969, Virginia Tech has won 19 of the 23 games against Duke. The last time Duke defeated Virginia Tech was back in 2019, when Duke won handily over the Hokies 45 to 10 in Lane Stadium and here's a somewhat small did you know the last time Duke defeated Virginia Tech at home was all the way back on October 10th 1981 when the Blue Devils defeated the Hokies 14 to 7 so we're hoping to change that this weekend and now it's time for the ever popular did you know The Hokie has been the official mascot of Virginia Tech for 60 years. The first mascot for Virginia Tech would debut in 1896 when Floyd Hard Times Meade, a Virginia Tech mess hall employee would dress as a clown in a maroon and orange outfit for games. Years later in 1913, Meade would start bringing his pet turkey to the football games. The turkey would gobble in command during the games and would also pull a cart and walk on a leash. The use of a live turkey mascot would continue until 1962 when the first costumed Hokie would be introduced. Civil engineer student Mercer McPherson saw the Pitt Panther and the Penn State Nittany Lion mascots that year and decided Virginia Tech needed one as well. After raising $180 from the student body, McPherson drove to a manufacturing plant in Pittsburgh and had a Hokie bird costume made. McPherson would debut the costume during the season finale against Virginia Military on November 22, 1962, and the new mascot would be a mainstay for the school going forward. As far as who gets to be the Hokie Bird, the university holds tryouts for students to determine who gets to don the Hokie Bird outfit. By tradition, the identity of those who are fortunate enough to be the Hokie mascot are kept secret until they graduate from Virginia Tech. How do people know who was the Hokie bird while at Virginia Tech? When the students who had the honor walk into the graduation ceremony wearing only the Hokie bird feet from the costume as a part of their graduation attire. And that was the tale of the tape for the Virginia Tech Hokies, brought to you by Comfort Mechanical Contractors.
3: Brian, you did not even, you did not even tell us what the heck is a Hokie.
0: It is a turkey. It's another word for a turkey.
3: All right, it's a turkey. They were
0: they were called the gobblers. I didn't put that in, but I figured I'd yeah, say yeah, it right yeah. now. They were initially yeah. called the gobblers, and then I think it's the sound that a tur- turkey makes. I, I don't know. I'm not a Virginia Tech fan. I, yeah. You know, I don't get paid to do this. I enjoy, yeah, yeah. I just enjoy looking <laughs> up the history. But yeah, can you imagine? You know, not not being able to tell your friends, your roommates that you're the hokey bird for every football game and basketball game, and then four years later. You just walk into graduation wearing the big feet from the hoagie bird outfit.
4: I don't know how that works in 2022. Brian, can you give us your best Turkey
3: gobble? On command too. It's like, you didn't even, that was good.
0: I I do it for the boys at the house. You know, I have fun with it. (laughs) Hey, when Kate asked, I listen.
3: That's true. That's true. That is true. Brian, do you have the uh, prediction winners from last week? Ready?
0: I certainly do. Uh, right, we befo- had so couple-
3: before we before we do our predictions, uh, you guys last week uh, came on Twitter, came on Facebook, told us who was going to win, what the score was going to be, and so uh, who got the closest and who gets the free section seventeen bleed blue t shirt.
0: So on Facebook, Mister Lee Shepherd got Duke's score on the nose, thirty eight to twenty. He predicted Duke would win thirty eight to twenty, so he was only off by eleven points. And then on Twitter levi haynes at levi haynes 10 he actually messaged us so kudos to you fans for actually checking the scores after the game he predicted duke to win 38 to 14 so again he predicted Duke's score nail on the head uh 38 to 14 so congratulations to you both we will reach out to you after this episode drops to get your information so you can get your free bleed blue shirt
3: and and Kate, you get a free blue boo shirt too, man. We'll hook you up this weekend, man. You know, I'll I'll grab it at the game. Yeah, friend of the pod, friend of the pod for sure, for sure. All right, so it is that time. Uh, we're talking uniform combo. Uh, we are talking, and Kate. After you give after this, we will we, we do want to find out what your favorite uniform combo is, right? We'll ask you that at the end. Uh, but what are we gonna wear this weekend? Who's gonna win? What's the score gonna be, Kate? We won't make you go first. Let's give our over under and and uh, and where we're sitting, Brian.
0: Well, first off, Jamie was so kind. That's right. Jamie was so kind to to phone in from Tampa, Florida.
3: That's right, Jamie,
0: in between fishing expeditions, in between tanning in his banana hammock, to give his <laughs> his score. section
3: seventeen podcast banana hammock.
0: Exactly. Basically, he was the Todd from Scrubs. <laughs> yes,
3: He'll there love you go. That. He'll love that.
0: But before we get into it, here's Jamie with his score and Jersey prediction.
2: Hey guys, it's Jamie. I am on vacation. I'm sure Cade Parmelee is doing a great job in my absence. Uh, my score for the Duke Virginia Tech game, I think I'm going to go lower because the weather is going to be potentially iffy. So I think we run the ball, run the ball and run the ball some more. I think Duke wins. Duke 24, Virginia Tech 6, and my uniform prediction, I'm going to go blue, blue, white, with the white D on the helmet.
0: And thanks as always. Jamie, no matter where you're at, whether it's Holden Beach, whether it's Tampa, Florida, whether it's the West Coast, the East Coast, the South Coast, wherever you're at, he's always dedicated to the podcast. But as we get going, fellas, the spread has dropped a little bit. We opened as a 10 point favorite. We are now down to a nine and a half point favorite. And the over under is 49 and a half points for the game. So, with that being said, who wants to lead us off?
3: I I got you, man. I'll go. I suck at this stuff anyway. So, Um, all right. I'm going, first of all, my uniform combo. Um, Their colors are terrible, by the way brown and orange. That's just, that's horrible.
2: Maroon. Maroon
3: maroon and orange, I meant. I'm going to go, I love the whole blues, man. I want us to go blue out. So I want us blue top, blue, blue shirt, blue pants. And, um, just for the fun of it, since we're bowling, let's go Hellraiser, uh, blue, blue Hellraiser, uh, on the lid, uh, might as well. Right. We're we, if we're going to do the Hellraiser again this year, it's either this week or Wake Forest and yeah, so let's do it. So blue out with the Hellraiser, um, and then score prediction, I'm a little nervous about this game. So uh Virginia Tech has lost their last three games, last three weeks, by a total of eight points. All right. So they're like right Sounds there. Sounds familiar. Yeah. They're right there. Um, so this makes me a little nervous. I actually think nine and a half. I I'm, I actually think it's a little high. Um, I'm I'm gonna think this is gonna be I'm gonna say it's gonna be a close game. Um, and I think Duke is gonna win this game 31 to 27. I'm going 31-27. I think it's gonna be a close game. And I could be wrong. I hope I am wrong. I hope we blow them out. But I'm going to go 31-27 Blue Devils.
0: So that is the under for 49 and a half. That puts you at what, 40? No, no, no. no. It's over. It's over. See, me and Matt don't get along. Sorry. You're right. You're right, Scott. Well, I'll go next really quick. So for jerseys, I'm going to go with Jamie. I'm going to go blue, blue, white. But I'm going to throw a little wild card. With it being Military Appreciation Day. I don't know if y'all have looked on fanatics.com or fansedge.com. But Duke has finally gotten into the groove with Military Appreciation with some some swag where they have some sweatshirts with camo, long sleeves with camo. Call me crazy, and if the equipment guys are listening, I hope I hope you you t- heed this advice. I think they're going to go with a camo D. Dang. See, I can
3: see him do Stars and Stripes D before camo.
0: That that's true. But again, I'm just thinking maybe Elko comes out in that camo. Yeah, um, the camo hoodie. We know
2: he's rocking the hoodie. He's it's doing the totally black one more. though, because the black one's got the winds. Oh, so yeah, that's right. That's true.
0: But 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 again, I, I like to have fun. They have already done the, the black hell or the blue hellraiser on the black helmet. Let's just keep it going. Josh, I love that too. The stars and stripes. I think that'd be good as well. Yeah. Um, so that would yeah.
3: be wild. That'd be awesome. I don't know that they'll do that, but that would be sweet.
0: Yeah, so blue, blue, white with a camo D. As far as the score, Duke is averaging about thirty-five points a game, Virginia Tech only twenty-one. I I think this is gonna be one of those games where we get out early like we've done at home, we keep the lead, and we might let them back in, get a few get some touchdowns, but it could be meaningless. I'm going 35-17. I, I just don't see us I mean, we talked about it before we came on. This is one of those games to where, to your point, Josh, on paper we're projected to win big. It could be close. I, I just think we're going to get out early. I, I think we've got too much momentum. Virginia Tech's two and seven. It's like their worst record in Lord knows how long. I think before And they Phoenix. literally have
3: nothing to play for right now. Right, exactly. No
0: I mean, yeah. they can't go to a bowl game. They might start seeing some players – get in that they haven't seen so yeah 35 17 is my prediction let's keep this train rolling so we can go to
2: charlotte for the duke's mayo ball all right so i'll go next and just for the we really haven't covered it so i'm gonna go ahead and i'm gonna hit the the high tops here grant Wells is the quarterback at virginia tech uh stone for about the same amount of yards as riley eight touchdowns eight interceptions um his favorite receiver is caleb smith he caught an 80-yard touchdown pass to start the second half against State two weeks ago on a Thursday night. And to me, that one of the better defensive uh, players in the country is basically Dax Holyfield, their linebacker number four. And he is basically, if you know who Drake Thomas is from NC State, he's Drake Thomas about 50 more pounds on him. Really big guy, really quick, really fast. And they do like to use their tight end number four on offense, just so we're all thinking about that before we get into the game. Uh, that being said, I like the blue out. And to be honest with you, I I would love, and this is just a personal thing, I would love to see them rock some kind of camo in the helmet with the blue in it. Like a blue and black digital? Something or, like that, yeah. Yeah, that'd be, that'd be sweet. I don't think they will, but I would love to see something like that. I'm going to be honest with you. The stars and stripes in the D would be perfect. And I think that would be great. And I'm sure that somewhere on their Jersey, they'll have a military patch of some kind. So as far as the score again, I won't, I, I'm going to go out there on the, on the really deep end here. I'm going to say that Duke wins 31 to 10. Um, I do think that Duke can get out on them early. Um, Run the football, run the football, run the football, run the football, occasional pass. It's worked so far. Six wins. Keep it rolling. Keep the train going. Like Brian said, keep getting wins going so we can go to Charlotte.
4: I guess that uh leaves me, man, I uh
3: save the best for last.
4: Yeah, come on. Get Stop. <laughs> this is um... why he's a
2: pastor and not a singer. <laughs>
4: Oh man, I think we're gonna go. I don't know, guys, this is this is tough. I, I was always so bad with what we were gonna wear. I could see us going blue top and then black everything else. That was a that was a dirty combo last year. We, we had at uh, it was at home versus GT, I think. I think it yep. was that, that yep. was one of my favorite uni combos. So I think that's that's my that's my guess because that was my favorite. And then on the um,
3: helmet is probably the D, right? Are you going D? Because they haven't done the script all year. I don't think Elk is a, stri- a script guy. so.
4: Yeah, I think they got to go just D. the D. Okay. I don't think the script guy. And then, man, Scott, you, you kind of took it out for me. I, I'll go, I think I'm probably 30, 38, 10 is, is my guess. 100-ish.
3: I love it. I love it. Okay, so so we all picked Duke to win, including Jamie. Clean sweep. Um, clean sweep. Now Jamie mentioned the weather, and let's just we have to be honest about the weather. Like as of uh Wednesday, uh Tuesday morning, I'm sorry, the weather has shifted from not uh from showing rain Saturday morning to not showing rain Saturday morning. So we don't know uh what that's gonna look like. But um Scott, you had something sorry, dude.
2: No, I was I was gonna throw in there Connor Blumrick was the tight end. I couldn't in? remember his name a minute ago.
3: And by for, for the way, GK. just uh, he mentioned Grant Wells as the quarterback. He's a transfer from Marshall. Also, does not run the ball well, so we don't have to worry about the mobile quarterback much uh, this week, which we know is always uh, something to, to look out for. Cade, what was your? Did you? Uh, what's your favorite? Not, not necessarily what you guys wore in a game last year. Like you saw what we did at Carolina this year, right? You, or the Carolina game, the black with the blue. What, what's your? What's your ideal uh, uniform combo?
4: Yeah, I, I was a big fan of uh of Brian the the old devil. Um that was that was uh definitely my favorite when that was on the helmet. I, I think that looked that looked really salty. Um, and then I don't know. I I like like I said, man, that the the blue up top and then the black, everything else for some reason. I thought that looked, you know, really slick. But I also loved blue outs. I think those ones yeah. are sexy.
3: Yeah. I'm I'm a big white out on the on the road. I love the Colts look like the white, white, white. And I love the blue out at home. Like, I think and I know Duke fans disagree with me, especially Brian on this one. But like, when we play Carolina, I really wish we would blue out and white out. Like I love, it's the battle of the blues. Like, like let's wear the black some other time. Like it's blue. Anyway, Brian disagrees. He was shaking his head.
0: No, I'm, the I'm sorry. They just – the the uniform game just went a different level when they did the blackout with the Hellraiser. Plus, Carolina did a chrome helmet with with the Tar yeah. Heels. So, I mean, yeah. come on. They stepped it, their
3: game up. We had to step ours up.
0: Yeah, for sure. So. so,
3: so we'll be at the game this Saturday. If you want to tailgate with us, we're going to be there. Uh, I'm going to probably say we'll be there around 7, 730. Scott, have we got a time? That about, is that about right? Um,
2: I haven't heard from him yet, but I would say 7, 730 because the Blue Devil Walk is going to be about 940. Yeah, so usually so we're gonna we try to, to get everything like done yeah so we'll be there. there yeah
3: we'll probably be eating by like 7 45 um breakfast uh over with the hard hat guys we're in b5 if you don't know where b5 is that is visitor side so the opposite side of the tower right there by the gate where you walk in Uh, that's where we'll be come say hi come pick up a bleed blue t-shirt twenty dollars um You know, um, and then we will be – Brian is going to be at the game, but he won't be in 17. Is that right, Uh, at least for the first half?
0: At least for the first half. Uh, So, quick plug. So, last year we were a part of Pediatric Cancer Awareness Day. If you uh, don't know, my son Harrison has been battling leukemia for the last two years. So, this is something that Duke football does. They honor all the pediatric patients uh, in and around the area. So, it's something that we got involved with last year. They did it during the Kansas game. Didn't know if they were going to do it this year. Uh, But we got word that they were doing it this weekend with uh, Virginia Tech. So I will be there with my boys. I will not be in Section 17 probably for the first half because they're going to walk us onto the field and honor Harrison at halftime. But I will be probably in 17 with the boys uh, for the second half. That is if it's not a blowout and if the boys are cooperating. So it's going to be a fun field morning for me as I'm uh, being a single parent as the wife goes on a little mini vacation this weekend.
3: Yeah, it'll be interesting. Now, Scott will be in seventeen. I am supposed to be media uh, for this game. And I'm I have my credentials. I have everything. I just don't know if I can do it, man. It's so it's 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 not the most entertaining thing in the world to be up there in that quiet space. Um, so I don't know. I'll be back and forth. Cade's gonna be around. Uh we're definitely gonna we're gonna grab a, a photo uh around section seventeen with Kate as well. Um Scott, go ahead, dude.
2: I say, folks. I said it earlier. I'm gonna say it one more time, just for the heck of it. If you don't have tickets to the game, you need to get your tickets. You need to be there, noon kickoff. For those of you that live in the area, it's a whole lot better than watching it on Valley. I will say the one plus side to Valley this week is our friend will be the sideline reporter that's Rebecca right. Fiorentino. She'll be back. Welcome for the back first to Durham, time. Becca. So that's the only plus side to me to watching the Valley thing because she's. She's very knowledgeable. She did a great job when she worked here. She was here for, what, eight
3: years, right, Scott? She was here for eight years, I think. And so, yeah, now working with NASCAR. So she'll be back, but this time on the sidelines. uh, And and
2: it would be nice to see as much blue other than just seats blue, people in the seats wearing blue, cheering and making noise during the whole game as we blow out Virginia Tech, hopefully, for the seventh win of the season.
3: And hey, listen, come and celebrate bowl eligibility. At the end of the day, these guys deserve it. They earned right. their uh their trip to a bowl game on the road, and so it'd be nice if the if the Duke fans showed up to show appreciation for what this team has done all year. You know that and that's for you've been stuff.
0: asking for for four years, Duke fans. So yeah. there's right. no excuse now. Right. There's only two games left this week and the Saturday that, after Thanksgiving.
3: Thanksgiving. Yeah, yeah. And Kate, the any any final to be nice, thoughts, ben? too. Yeah, yeah. So. Weather's supposed to be good. Kate, any final thoughts? Excited to be in Durham this weekend and uh watch
4: the guys just like you said um, watch everybody celebrate what these guys have been doing and um just super excited and I was a little was, uh, I was hoping that this sixth win would happen at home so you know we could storm the field and and break the the bolt, the goal post and, and tear it down <laughs> but you know I'm, I'm excited that we'll get the seventh win uh, at home
3: are you going anywhere specific to eat in Durham when you're when you're in town
4: mellow mushroom first thing
3: mellow mushroom Yeah. All right. We may have to hit it up. We may have to find somewhere for lunch or something and uh, yeah. throw down. There's a new yeah. Mexican place. It's legit. This isn't a food podcast, but it it turns it, into a – It's turning into <laughs> it one. Yeah. We'll, it is something We can make it that. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Well, a couple of things before Brian takes us out of here. If you have not yet, go to DukeFootballTalk.com. There you can find our five deep, five deep articles uh, where we uh, talk to players and find out a little bit more um, about them. Um, the, the latest one we've done was last week's with Nikki Dalmullen. uh, our helmet stickers each week, uh, where we, uh, give a helmet sticker out to a player or in our, in the case, our athletic director last week, uh, but a player who we noticed in the game, uh, did something special that would earn a helmet sticker. Obviously our podcasts are there. And then our store is there. Uh, we have section 17 bleed blue shirts available. We have Elko era, uh, shirts available, hoodies available, GTHC. Uh, hoodies available and we're going to be adding some new things that's all we can say we're going to be adding some new things to the store here in the next uh, couple of weeks and so we're looking forward uh, to that you can follow us on twitter um, at duke fb talk you can follow us on instagram at duke fb talk and then facebook you can just search duke football talk and find our group there cade uh i got you cade at on his instagram is at chicken underscore parm is that right Chicken Par, man. Chicken par, baby. And then it's, I think it's just at Cade Parmerley on Twitter. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Find him, follow him. Uh yeah. <laughs> that was another reason why we had him on the podcast last year is we saw his Twitter handle. I mean his Instagram handle. So we were looking forward to that. But yeah, yeah uh, make dude, sure you interact with us. Any wrestling today, Josh. Dude, I yeah, Brian, you guys got we're gonna talk offline but, about wrestling.
2: I actually I will say this. Okay, I was gonna say this earlier, but since you brought it up, Kate, I have to say it. One of the other things that kind of uh, brought us to seeing Cade and being a big Cade fan, in one of the videos or one of the pictures, he looked just like Bray Wyatt. (laughs) And that's what Jamie and I both said, and I think Brian may have also commented on it. We looked at it and we're like, that is Bray Wyatt.
3: And I just sat there and smiled like I knew what they were talking about.
0: Josh just <laughs> nodded his head in agreement and didn't say a word.
3: So I do have to ask you, Cade, and who cares at this point? It's that we've ran long. And if they're still listening, thanks for Thank listening, y'all. guys. David Feely comes in and starts like smashing, man, like just killing everything. Yeah. yeah. And then towards the end of summer, uh-huh. they release the social media stuff. Bro, how how mad were you that you were not one year? younger or whatever right like one more year
4: but i want all the podcast listeners to like i wish they could see me and my disappointment and heartbreak i mean that was i was you want to talk about living vicariously through the guys that were in that weight room and that were doing the wrestlemania intros i mean oh
3: so so walk us through let's talk then you get that opportunity what who are you? What are you what like you know what kind of uh, little singlet are you wearing? <laughs> and, uh, I you know I what, was, what do you rock? Who if are I had you?
4: my long hair, I was I was gonna be the undertaker, I was gonna wear the yeah. cowboy hat, but I think i probably have to go really old school and go, you know, weed whacker, man. That was oh yeah cool. the
3: bushwhackers, bushwhackers. bushwhackers. But, yeah, but yeah.
2: Josh knows the bushwhackers. I
3: do oh, know the bushwhackers, yeah, 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 that would be oh, good. I, there. I think yeah. there were
2: a gospel quartet somewhere. <laughs> From, from Texas. <laughs> That's right. That's right.
3: Yeah. No, I love it. I love it, man. I know we saw that, and, like, Jamie on became, like, that was kind of his starring role. He he did the uh, Austin, Steve Austin uh, thing, but those guys had a lot of fun with that. And then, seriously, there has been many times this year where we've been like, man, if Cade was sure. on this year's roster, like, that yes. video would have been funnier, or, man, he would have really, like, thrived in that. So, I, no, you I did a great job in your one that. year in Durham. You made a really big impression, bro. Wow. Appreciate it. For sure. Brian, you ready to take us out of here, man?
0: Well, you know, just like some of these elections, I think it's time to call this episode.
3: (laughs) (laughs) In a couple couple of days?
0: Yeah, in a couple of days, exactly. If we we keep going,
2: it's going to be a couple of days episode. (laughs) Breaking news from Durham, we are now ready to call it a night.
0: Yes. (laughs) Well, it it has been fun. We did go over. If you're still listening at the end of this, we thank you. And we thank those each and every week that listen to us. Uh, It's been a good one, and hopefully next week when we come on, we'll be talking about the Devils' seventh win over Virginia Tech. But for Josh Cox, Scott Medlin, the absent Jamie Holt, the special guest, Cave Parmley, and producer Justin Sykes, I'm Brian Kennedy, and this has been another episode of the Duke Football Talk Section 17 podcast.
1: Now turn the music up!